da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. It's that time of year to talk Pixar, Animation Studios, and uh, it's summer, guys. We're only about a week away from resuming living our lives a quarter mile at a time. I'm not going to lie, guys. I took a little bit of a break from that during the pandemic. Slacked mm-hmm. off a little bit. That's on like me. I'll be mile, better. Maybe three-quarter miles, something like that. I'll be better. Yeah, it was more like three-quarters okay. a mile at a time instead of a quarter mile at a time. I was I was right. going way too fast. I was worried about the wrong things, you know. That's the thing about Dom, you know. Looking too far it's ahead. It's quarter mile yeah. at a time. Yeah, he, right. he's taking his life slowly, you know. He's just, <laughs> he's just cool and all that. But speaking of... I wanted to tease our fast retrospective episode that'll be dropping on our VIP this Friday. We'll drop a little teaser on the main feed, maybe the first five, 10 minutes, something like that. Give you a little taste of that, but you're going to want to listen to that before you go see fast nine this weekend or this summer, because uh, there's a lot to catch up on. There's eight movies and a Hobbs and Shaw to uh, to catch up on. We haven't talked about all those on the podcast in the past, only a few of them. So it's about due time guys. That we give yeah. it the uh, the due and that it's deserved. And right. um, are you guys ready for your lives to change? Because you know, fast movies coming out, I know. big things are happening just globally. Could have really so, used it about two weeks ago. I know it would have really cool if it would have come out right before like Game Seven of Mavs Clippers. <laughs> that could have helped us um, for yeah. sure, for sure. Or maybe if it came out like uh, a week before the pandemic started, that yeah. also potentially could have changed the course of history. A yeah. Little there's bit. no um, way we, we have a pandemic. In, <laughs> that's right. There's that's a right. fast movie in, in a fast nine world. No way. There's, there's no, no way. way. Yeah. It's just facts. I wouldn't have had it. It wouldn't not. Dom would not let the, uh, COVID-19 be him down. <laughs> no. Yes. He would have yeah. powered through right. for sure. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, you gotta keep your head down and keep on grinding. No matter. There's only there's only one Corona that I respect. I mean, it takes a huge yeah. swig. But awkwardly, yeah. It's like I hope they work. Still doesn't in. drink. It's weird. Yeah. I really hope they work in some. You know, after the fact, they will. They <laughs> will. They're known for that for that kind of stuff. Yeah. We we'll talk about Corona, it. and they're all like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa dude!" Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, that's going to be a fun conversation, and it will happen this week, and we'll drop on the VIP. Speaking of, we had Batman Shane, who uh, works for Paramount and was heavily involved in the restoration, the 4K restoration of Indiana Jones. So he took a few questions from the VIPs and did a little AMA episode with Doc Weiser of the Rank Kings, and uh, that that's up on the VIP as well. I recorded my AMA. That is up this week as well. And so a lot happening. In the VIP club. So madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. Sign up there. And uh, you get Discord access as well. So it's a big group chat with all of us and uh, and the listeners. And just uh, just some like-minded people who like to talk movies. You know, sometimes people go to movies, you know, by themselves. Or they see a movie and they just don't have anyone to talk about it with. Like, man, I really wish I could just jot down my thoughts, throw it out there and see what people think. Like, not, not tweet it out or throw it on Facebook, you know, that's, that's kind of like what discord has been for me. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a like-minded people you can converse with without being chastised on social media. So <laughs> it's, it's excellent. It's been great. And we're, we're one big happy family there. Mm. Nice. Full circle. All right. Well, 
like I said, it's the yearly uh, Pixar conversation. It seems like twice a year now we have the conversation. Around this time, last year, Onward was out of the theaters, and Soul, which was supposed to come out in June, had been delayed to Christmas. And um, and so we got those. Uh, they were great, obviously. But um, I was looking really forward to this one, fellas, because, uh, you know, you see the – I don't know. I, I guess you see the plot or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, the two line description of the movie mm-hmm. uh, of, you know, c- kid who is secretly a sea monster, you know, coming of age in the Italian Riviera in the, in the 1960s. I'm like, um, well, as long as Army Hammer's not involved, I'm, I'm down, you know, <laughs> that's, uh, that, that's, that's, uh, where I come down on that. That's no, where you draw but, the um, line. That's that, your that's your one boogaboo. Yeah. <laughs> like like you you told me like, okay, Pixar movie set in the Italian Riviera. That's all that's kind of all you need to tell me. I'm like all in on that, you know? Sure. So I was very excited sure. just from the uh plot synopsis, I guess was the word I was looking for. Same with soul, you know. You tell me a a guy has to find himself through jazz music, yeah, and it's done by Pixar. Mm-hmm. Sound sign me up, you know. That that seems like uh, where Luca fell for me. And so I was really excited about it going into it. Brian, I know you're a Pixar guy and um, nah, we're, really, a, we're a big, sure. maybe a bigger fan of Onward than I was. I was a huge fan yeah. of Soul. It's one of my top films mm-hmm. of last year. But mm-hmm. um, were you looking forward to uh, Luca? I was. Um, I will say I, this wasn't like the most anticipation I've ever had for, for a Pixar movie. I, I think that's, I think the trailer was fine and it's, it's a fun concept and stuff. Um, it definitely seemed from the outside looking in that it was more, this is going to be one of their, um, slider films and that's totally fine. I think that's, they've, they don't have like one of the, in our discord, which you you mentioned, can't, um, our buddy Jordan, she was like, not every something. I, I'm butchering your quote, Jordan, so I apologize. But it was something like, not every Pixar movie has to put has to put you through an existential crisis, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, they, they can they can do like slider stuff. But that was definitely my impression coming in on this was was that it was going to be something that was smaller and and a little maybe a little less um, emotionally impactful as compared to so many of their other films, and that's totally fine. Um, I, I kind of think that the I don't know if you guys had the same uh, experience and and if this is a a wider broader experience or if it's just just us because this is what we do sometimes sure. we we have to try to find the the balance on that but I kind of think the we're only releasing this on Disney Plus backfired it kind of made me feel like oh they don't think this is very good and uh, or that it's not not as good anyway it just it, it's kind of a strange strategy to do. To put Raya out in theaters and on Disney Premiere, do the same with Cruella, do the same with Black Widow, but they're in the middle. We're just going to skip this sure. Pixar movie. It's not going to be in theaters. It just kind of made me feel like uh, maybe they don't. Maybe they've seen this and and aren't super impressed by it. Um, and then the Rotten Tomatoes scores came out, and it was like, oh, it's actually. I mean, it's getting good grades and everything, so it must be fine. But it, I don't know. There was a strange for me at least. There was a strange like semi lack of anticipation just based on kind of reading the studio and whatnot. And I'm, I'm not really sure why they went that route. It's, it seemed like a strange, strange ploy. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, just to cut in, I mean, I, I, uh, you know, I don't follow this. I don't have a kid and, and I'm not as into animation as, as Kent. So, 
I don't, you know, I don't follow this. Is, these always kind of sneak up on me in some way. That being said, you know, I, I you know, we've really enjoyed a lot of the stuff we've we've done with Pixar in the past. I didn't know until I sat down to watch this that it was Pixar. I thought it was going to be a Disney, just the way it was promoted. Like you said, Brian, going straight to Disney Plus. I thought it was mm-hmm. going to be, you know, the other house, the the Disney Animation House. I didn't realize it was like Pixar canon until that kind of logo popped up, and I was like, oh wow, okay, this is Pixar. Okay, kind of like bumped my expectations up right away. Sure, sure. Yeah, what I really admire about Pixar is they can have these tentpole movies that they seem like they know what they are. These franchises, if you will, they could do finding Nemo three tomorrow, you know, and it would do great, you know, and they could do the Incredibles three and pick, and they are doing another toy story with, with this light year spinoff movie. And, and so I think they, I think they kind of know the A team and the B team when it comes to their production house and what to devote resources to, more heavily and what to um, not necessarily a have, you know, assign the B team to, or not give it full effort. But um, let's just say it's like an all-star team, right? It's like an all-star team. If an all-star team can put the bench players out there against a really bad team and still win, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, Pixar can put their bench team out there against most studios and still make an A movie, you know, like that's what kind of what it feels like. It's not necessarily that, that it's bad. It's just that it's not as good as like these, um, I guess a productions have been, and that's fine. But, um, you know, that's kind of what we saw, I guess, with, with, uh, onward and soul, it felt like onward was more of the B, the B team and, and soul was more of the, mm. more of the A team and that, and that's fine. But an interesting note about Luca when it comes to the other productions of Pixar was that the majority of this movie was, was finished um, working from home. And these animators had to, had to animate a movie at the, on their home PCs and, and wow. ship it off and do that whole thing. And they had to make that work over the past year of, of finishing production on Luca. And I'm sure that will roll over or has rolled over into their next movie. Um, is it feeling red or seeing red or something like that? Uh, little red I something. I can't remember. Red something. Yeah. I'll look it up. Anyway, that's a that's a, a very impressive feat to to accomplish when it comes turning to, red. Turning red. There you go. It's a very impressive thing, and I've talked I talked in the past about just the the notion of like the effects houses and supercomputers and all that. I mean, it, it's it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing that they could they could get this done to this level. But let's talk about the film. I love Italy, man. I've been there only once, actually. We never really uh, went there for music, but uh, I went there on a trip when I was in high school and absolutely loved it. You know, spent like a day in each in each town that we were in. But the culture is just incredible, and I've wanted to go back. And but what I love about Pixar was the point I was trying to make earlier before I went on a tangent was that they've. They know their place and they can highlight these cultures, man. <laughs> like, it just reminds me of Coco, you know? Like, mm-hmm. they just yeah. love the culture of of Central and South America and and wanted to highlight that. And that really, you know, kind of comes through here. Encanto, I think, is another one that they have coming. That's a, that's a, a Colombian, I think, uh, South American mm-hmm. story. But yeah, man, highlighting these world cultures 
if the, if we get tentpole Pixar movies, like these big, you know, epic, uh, uh, you know, blockbusters, and then these smaller cultural stories, I would love that. Like to me, that's the that's the perfect balance that they can they can find. And Soul kind of reminds me of that as well, you know, with the mm-hmm. with the culture of jazz and everything, yeah, and history yeah. and all that. But um, but yeah, man, I, I love these where they're just like they find these beautiful places in the world and then they just Pixarify them, you know, in these incredible ways. And I mean, this is one of the most beautiful settings I've ever seen for an animated, animated film, but I was just totally wrapped up in the culture. That's what stuck out to me. Um, first, Brian. Yeah. A really good job of blending, uh, two cultures, right? (laughs) You get the the actual Italian culture and then you have this sort of created sea monster culture. Cartoonified. Um, yeah, which I thought was I. I mean, these Pixar. It's the it's always the attention to detail and, and like kind of the what I would call like the infrastructure of of these movies. That's always fascinating to me as much as anything, especially like the first time through, or especially in the beginning of these movies. Like so for this one, just the concept of this kid who is a um a rancher, you know, they are a shepherd for for dumb fish and things like that. I don't know. It's it was a really that was a really, I thought it was a, a, pretty, a pretty strong idea and and really well explored. And then yeah. you kind of get to put it against the backdrop of of the Italian countryside. And, and I mean, it was, it's really, not countryside, excuse me, see, uh, shore side. But regardless, it's, it's, it's kind of cool the way that they blended those two mm-hmm. uh, cultures together. And, and it makes for, makes for a strong story, I think, um, sets, sets you up really well. For what to do and and then the i think the other part of it was the um the time period that they focus on here kind of lets you explore that like the this is a much i don't know I, i'm not very smart to to say this kind of stuff but like the the way that the the italian culture is clearly sort of like right in this middle ground between modern world and mm-hmm. um sort of the old ways and stuff and then you get to juxtapose that against what's going on with luca in in fish monster land and whatnot and it's i don't know it's really cool yeah. I, I just thought that was was a little depth to yeah, that yeah i think that, that i think was, that was that's really a great strong. point i never i never thought about it I'm a little more primitive you know yeah. you go over yeah. there and you know, you walk around Venice and you see the locals and you're just like, man, these people get it. <laughs> like these people know yeah. how to live life, you know? <laughs> and and we're just walking around with our freaking backpacks and these people are like sitting on steps, drinking wine, like talking to friends, like singing and, you know, all the, you know, it's just like, you're right. I, I, I never really thought of, of, of Italy as being a, a reason for the setting as, as that, but um, that, that's a great observation. Richard, what do you think about just the, the choice to to do an Italian, yeah, I love Pixar. that. All, all my favorite parts of this were the in the in the Italian world. I thought that animated so well, even even though the the yeah. people are sort of cartoonish looking. All that that rocky Mediterranean terrain I thought was really interesting. Not something that is animated that often. Whereas underwater, while they did a good job with it, and obviously it's Pixar, I've seen a lot of underwater movies, you know, uh, and in the animation world. So like I was more sort of visually drawn. Um, to the human part of this, yeah. which is part partially because I'm also broken, you know. But <laughs> well, uh, just to that point, yeah. I noticed that right off the top, right at you know, because the movie starts out in the in the yeah, sea, yeah, the water with that fishing and, scene, yeah. And I see, and I saw that, and I was like, this doesn't look great. And yeah. I think that's on purpose. I think it's to make, 
you know, the Italian country, not, you know, I did it again, Brian. I did it. I did it too. The Italian, yeah. uh, the port city. Uh, yeah. I've been to Those Cinque Terre. go together. Cin- you say Italian, you're like, oh, the countryside. Yeah. You just think it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, I've been to Cin- Cin- Cinque Terre, which <laughs> is, I don't know what that, like what that means in Italian, but that's a kind of a coastal <laughs> city there. And it reminds me a lot of, of Porto Rosa. And so I don't know if that was an inspiration mm-hmm. or what, but I think, and I, I don't know if this is true, but I would love for a, a Pixar employee to do the interview to confirm that, you know, they, they purposely dolified the, the water to make the, the city look that much more vibrant mm-hmm. and, and incredible. Yeah. And I think that worked for me. You know, I, I agree with you. You you wanted to be in the city. You didn't want to be underwater. And I think they knew that. And, you know, where something like Finding Nemo is just incredible underwater, you know, <laughs> like it's just this, honestly, this oasis of beauty than all these different colors and coral and all this stuff. Whereas, whereas this was much more like, you knew why Luca wanted to escape. <laughs> you felt that, you know, there was much more life in the city than there was um, underground. Let's talk about the characters a little bit. I love, I love the Luca. Yeah. His friend, I, I loved his friend Al, Alberto and their their relationship. I thought they were very funny. I thought the voice cast was was great with Jacob Tremblay mm-hmm. and what's his name from Shazam, uh, yeah, Brian Jack Dylan Jack Grazer. Dylan Grazer, hilarious. Every kid actor, at least half kid actors, have to have three names in there. Yeah, yeah. Jack Jack Dylan Grazer as uh, yeah. Alberto was was hilarious and. You know, you go to Italy as well, and something I noticed is like the freaking Vespas, man. They're everywhere in yeah. in Europe. It's like you know, basically the the main uh, city way to get around. You know, and I I love that note in the or or the, I guess that MacGuffin in the movie of the driving factor being them wanting to get a a Vespa. You know, and just cruise through Italy. I love that. And I totally, totally get that. How somebody at that age could, could think that that was the height of, of living. Have I you seen that. the trip? Uh, Kent, have you watched? No, I haven't. No, you should watch the first one. I think the first one's Italy, if I remember correctly, but uh, no, maybe the first one's actually just in first one's in UK, whatever the Italy one is, you should watch it. Strip to Italy, just, isn't it? Yeah. Strip I think it's Rome, to Italy. I think that's the second one or the third one. I don't know. They all run together. Um, but, uh, but the Italian one especially is just pretty much that, just like rolling through Mediterranean countryside and eating. It's the life. Yeah. It's the life we should all live. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I thought that also just the tone of this movie, it was much more made for kids than I'm used to for Pixar even. Did you feel that? Yeah, it was, a little, Brian? It was, it was very kid. Yeah, I, I think – I think it, that's part of what Whereas I mean. I when thought, I said like going into this, that this would be one for us. They're like, oh, Italian Riviera, like this is going to be like Seoul, you know. Whereas much more, much more along the cars fighting sure. emo line than 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 the yeah. Seoul line of things. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Definitely a little little slider, a little more kid friendly. The the adult stuff is more like just the setting and and the um the visuals and, and and all that kind of, and i mean like the whole the parents figuring out how to respect their kids and all that sort of stuff I and mean, that's right. that's obviously adult themed stuff but the yeah very much more of a i mean you're right richard like it it did i mean it looks like a pixar movie but it feels more like a, a disney movie than a, than a pixar movie which again totally fine disney makes great movies too a lot of times so it's 
Yes, I, I'm with you. It was it was very kid friendly. Cooper watched this a couple of times this weekend and um has been, you know, running around the house talking about it and stuff. So cool. super super into it, much more so. Is he than, like is he eating like veal marsala and stuff? Uh huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he, he getting angry at the pairings that you're putting? You're like <laughs> he's like, Dad, this is yeah. goes with white yes. wine. Right. Yeah, you serve me milk. Well, how dare you? <laughs> yeah. This is clearly a grape juice. Uh <laughs> yeah, it's uh yeah, definitely, definitely kid kid friendly on this one for sure. For sure, but I liked it. I like that about you. are gonna be surprised. You know, I sometimes get annoyed when like these kind of animated. To me, they're all kids' movies, and they have the you know adult themes. Even when they're mm. great, like something like Soul, for example. Um, this reminded me of like animated films from when I was a kid. You know, in a lot of ways, tonally, mm. it it hit, and I I was it was nice to have that for a little bit. I enjoyed that part of it. Even if it's not for my old curmudgeon self, I uh, it was very like it, it took me back to the spirit of like early '90s animated films with far better animation and voice talent, sure and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I thought there were some jokes for the adults, like "Where do boats come from?" And the adults were like, "Wait, what'd you say?" You know, at dinner, that was a a joke for mm-hmm. us. The um, Mona Lisa, why are you smiling? Uh, was a funny joke that most kids probably wouldn't under. <laughs> wouldn't get you know there's there's some stuff there's like a there's references in there there's a, a roman holiday poster uh you know on the in the street with like gregory peck and uh, i guess audrey hepburn that old movie you know things like that for for us um but overall man yeah this is a this is certainly a kid's movie i love the sea monster design and it reminded me of you know old creature from the black lagoon <laughs> style of of creature design so Apparently they worked very hard on the design for both the the sea creatures and Luca. Like that was a year long mm-hmm. thing to try to try to nail down, which surprised me a bit because I thought the design for Luca, the the human Luca, was pretty pretty standard. But you know, sure. they I imagine all the iterations they go through to try to tweak mm-hmm. certain little things because it's all about emotion and animation. Mm-hmm. I thought the the animation of this movie. The character animation was incredible on this. I don't know what they did. Um, you know, with Toy Story, it's so exaggerated because they move like toys. You know, like when Woody's yeah. running, he's like, he's like, his arms are like flapping because he's made of like, you know, material or whatever. So it's always, it's all exaggerated on purpose. But this one had almost a Disney movie feel to it with the way the characters moved. They're like almost a musicality yeah. to it, you know? And especially the the like villain character, uh, whatever they call him, Senor Vespa in the movie. Um, especially that character was an absolute riot. So funny, so good, and the animation on that guy was was top notch. But something yeah, I noticed man. here too is just for like sure total attention to detail on the exaggerated mm-hmm. uh, emotions of the yeah. characters, and I I love the the human designs. I mean the the father. Uh, whatever her name is, um, J- Julia's uh, father, you know, mm. with the giant mustache guy with the one arm. I thought that design was awesome. He just yeah. looked, Massimo. I don't know, yeah. just a great yeah. animated character design. And and the parents for uh, for Luca, I thought they were, you know, the Jeff Garland and um, not Jeff Garland, Jim Gaffigan and uh, Maya <laughs> Rudolph characters. Um, yeah. yeah, I prefer Jeff Garland. It was the JG that uh, used me. Yeah. Much louder. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, some dyslexia sinking in there or something. <laughs> Specific yeah. only to 
Jeff Garland and Jim Gaffigan, though. It's a really right. rare. <laughs> yeah. It's a rare uh, case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, I thought the uh, character design was very good, and creature design was awesome. I thought the sea monster creature was was really cool looking, and the way that it works with the water of you know the splash, and they yeah. did some they did some great work. Yeah, with when that the, to, you know how they have it pop like that it was really they dip cool. the dip the kid's face in the and when the, when the parents were dipping all the kid in the fountain trying to figure out if, which kids were sea monsters or what because they didn't know what human Luca would look like. You know, I thought that was a fun. A fun moment. But yeah, I thought the the choice of like, you can't touch water or else you become a sea monster and everyone in this town is afraid of sea monsters. Honestly, I thought that they would hammer that home a little bit more, Brian. Mm -hmm. Like there would be a bigger villain of like a hunter, you know, like a poacher trying to kill sea monsters. I thought they would, that would be a little bit more dark and that would be maybe, maybe they wanted this to be a little bit more kid friendly. So they didn't, they didn't hammer that home nearly as much, but that's where I thought the movie was going to go. Like towards the end was like, they're going to find out their sea monsters. And then the hunter is going to go after him and which they kind of do, but it's really, it's really toned down from what it, from something like rescuers down under where it's just this, (laughs) just on the run, you know, the second rescuers down under reference. Well, the the, the move, Uh, I mean, the, the antagonist is, is senior Vespa. It's not the, the hunter guy. He's just kind of on the right. side, or yeah. the the dad, yeah, for sure, guy. for sure. No, that, it's good that they. I, I think it was good, it's good that they avoided that. They get a little, get a little differentiation in the storyline because I, I had the same thought, and I feel like if it was a DreamWorks movie or a Sony movie, that's definitely a major plot point. Is whatever sea monster hunter is yeah. is after them, uh, and I, I thought it was better off for for not having that. It was it was a little bit of a. I mean, I don't know. There's not a whole lot here that's like super unique. I mean, the first 10 minutes, Lindsay turned to me and was like, is this just the Little Mermaid for boys? And I was like, yeah, kind of. It's, it's a little bit of that going on. But um, but, but the, I think they were really smart to avoid some of the tropes within the story that, that it, it could have easily gotten to, I think. And that, that was a big one for me. I was like, yeah, I expect this at a certain point. And not getting it, I think, was better off. Yeah, I'm... I'm with you there. I thought it was funny the uh, the uh, Puerto Rosa Cup. You know, I was hoping it would be Formula mm-hmm. One when they said I'm the winner of the F- Puerto Rosa Cup. I was like, oh, if they do like a vintage Formula One uh, race here at the end, that would be, be cool. that would have been a really cool, uh, you know, to tie it all through. But uh, but it ends up being an Italian triathlon, which is swimming, biking, and eating pasta. <laughs> that was a great a great yeah. bit. Well, as well Racist. and. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 that's what I was wondering. I'm like, is that offensive to Italian people? I don't know. But I mean, Pixar felt okay with making that joke. So, and and not only making the joke, but like making it a big plot of the movie, you know, like they have all training sequence with pasta and everything. And, and it's very funny and a great way to show the, the culture of, of Italy and the different kinds of pasta and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, I, I thought that was a, a funny joke. I did too. I okay. mean, I, hopefully, no one's upset about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it it surprised me a little bit, but, uh, but yeah. yeah. I thought another funny joke was how Senor Vespa's boat was called Focaccia. <laughs> it was just yeah. the name, like Focaccia. You know, mm-hmm. so dumb. Uh, Luca's <laughs> interest in astronomy was fun too. I liked that that whole sequence with him looking at the mm-hmm. stars and talking to his friend yeah. was great. All the montage sequences were incredible here. Whether it was training to race or the food or going around the city, making friends. They were all great. And 
I saw a note here that Ennio Morricone was supposed to do the score for this, but he passed oh, away. Wow. He passed away oh, too soon. That's a bummer. But that would have been an amazing yeah. uh, way to bring him into this for an authentic Italian score. Yeah. Do y'all remember the pig? I, I'm sure you don't, I, Richard. Too bad but... they went with the Olive Garden theme throughout. It's <laughs> a replacement. When you hear your yeah. family. Well, that's right. That's true. Yeah. I just thought uh-huh. it was a poor taste in more ways than one. <laughs> um, I'm sure you don't remember this, Richard, but can't. do you remember the Pixar short with the, it's like the, this three generation family on a boat cleaning the, the stars off the moon. Yes. Or something like that, that same director, right? Okay. That's what I was wondering. I didn't, well, Luna I didn't know that, called. but that yeah. was yeah, it's Luna. when I was watching this movie, I was like, Oh, okay. Is this, this got to be, same director. This, it yep. feels like it was inspired by that. So that makes sense. Yeah. This so. is his first feature. He's, he okay. was like on the creative right. team on the last, like from gotcha. Coco on, but yeah, gotcha. he's Italian. Well, that, okay. Um, yeah. He's half yeah. Italian, so he can eat chicken. <laughs> he can order yeah, chicken. He was okay oh. with the uh, with the Man, Italian triathlon joke, so he yeah. had to sign okay. off on it. Okay, but he, he yeah. Well, that was the most obvious point in the Do history. You think you could trademark a smart form though? Yeah. It's a better question. <laughs> Can't. I'm gonna let you and the listener in on a little bit that Richard and I do. Uh, our Bill Simmons, um, who we'd love to work for if he's if he's interested. <laughs> um, but he <laughs> he does these these ads for was it like uber eats yeah, i guess I or, so, or DoorDash whatever or else yeah. anytime anytime he's doing an ad for a food related thing he talks about chicken parm <laughs> and it's like his favorite thing <laughs> and like, he always oh, goes and i'm half italian so i know yeah i'm half You're italian like, so i love chicken parm and, and so go for, to italy and you won't be able to find chicken parm <laughs> i promise well, you that's the thing it's, it's an like americanized a, italian yeah, dish it's such a dumb point and he judges every place that he, yeah. that he eats and he does it in front of world parm. renowned chefs when they're on his yeah. show yeah. Like, <laughs> like yeah that is a good place yeah you didn't make a great chicken parm so not not real honestly i've had chicken parm i've had chicken parm a lot Chicken parm is awesome. I've never yeah. had a bad chicken parm. Yeah, exactly. No, it's impossible. Like, it's, it's impossible exactly to mess it. up like, a piece I'm, of chicken yeah, with some yeah, sauce yeah. and noodles and cheese. Like, you can do that immediately. Yeah, we, we, I could cook one of those while we... I yeah. can make a decent chicken yes. parm while we record this yeah, episode. That's like, no endorsement to say they have a good chicken parm. It's not parm. difficult at all, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> for, for probably, I don't know, two years, Richard and I, anytime we're at an Italian place, or like the other day I sent Richard a, a picture... We, my wife and I went to an Italian place for dinner and I did order chicken parm. I was like, yeah, that just sounds good tonight. I'm going to go chicken parm. But I sent Arby a picture of it and I was like, hey, just a little life hack. Um, nobody, nobody IDs you if you just, if you order chicken parm. They do not know if you are half Italian or not. You can get away with it. Like just, just roll with it this way. But yeah, there's a little running bit behind the scenes, a little inside baseball. Just a note on. Oh, no. yeah. I am half Hispanic, so I always get the nachos <laughs> yeah, right, with extra right, queso. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the same dumb <laughs> logic. This is just a note on the animation of the movie because I did, like I said, I noted the style. Uh, the director says, the team began testing new animation concepts, hoping to bring playful silliness to the characters by taking away some of the typically large amounts of detail that they use in movies. And in most Pixar movies, areas of immediate focus were used for more 2D post styles, wider mouths with rounded uh, angled corners, multi-limb motions that brought a sillier feel to characters movement. So that makes sense. Like that was a, that was a purposeful um, choice by the filmmakers to, to make these characters feel a little bit more animated than normal. And I think that certainly serves the story 
uh, to the uh, to the positive, I would say. And also, speaking of the story, I guess the big climax of the story, or or where things fall apart, if you want to put it in you know screenwriting terms, where 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 the, the crisis or the, happens, or the you roots, know, Alberto you and it. Luca have the big fight and or all that, roots. and they must come together <laughs> and win the race. And I love that at the end. And I was worried, guys, that like the the thesis of the movie, as we wrap up our conversation and, and look towards grades, like the thesis of the film would be uh, not embrace yourself, <laughs> you know, because the entire movie is like saying, I don't want to be a, a fish. I want to be a human and I'm going to live on human, you know, like a little mermaid. Yeah, exactly what you're talking about. But, you know, at the end they do, you know, he's able to embrace his his sea monsterness, right? And and people love him and they're not scared of sea monsters anymore. And so I was glad it ended on that note and not like, all right, Luca, you can stay here. Glad you're happy now. We love you. Goodbye. You know, like mm-hmm. a little, yeah. like basically what happens in Little Mermaid. And I was, man, Little Mermaid makes me cry. I'm not kidding you. When, when King Triton says goodbye to Ariel, I'm like just bawling my eyes out or whatever, <laughs> you know, I'm like that's his daughter, you know, <laughs> but she's going to be happy. It's going to be okay. You know, all that. Um, but yeah, I, I just like the, the the overall message and and leave it to Pixar to have a good message mm-hmm. at the end of a, of a film. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, they right. don't usually they don't usually. Pull I wasn't that crying kind of though, Brian. Were you were you sobbing in this? I one? got a little choked up. Oh, it yeah. was not a <laughs> it was not full on like sobs like Onward or Soul or like most Pixar movies. But I don't know the whole the bit with Alberto and his not dad and and. Then just I don't know the conclusion of we're gonna send this kid off to school and the whole the whole race at the end where we all accept one another and all this kind of thing I thought that was very well done it was not it it, it was certainly not the most emotionally impactful thing that Pixar has ever accomplished and it also was not like beat you over the head with it it was just a nice kind of moral of the story ending and um, so yeah I mean a little, little little sniffles we'll say not not. Uh, not bawling my eyes out. Cooper wasn't making fun of me for how much I was, you know, crying or anything like, like some of these other. <laughs> he does movies. that a lot. So he it's does. Like he occurrence. does. He gets a lot of practice at it too. You know, so yeah. it's a it's a partnership. Well, you're raising him right. That's for sure. <laughs> well, um, Richard, any closing closing word on on Luca? By the by, yeah. by by, except for the fact that it's a great name and yeah, obviously, mm-hmm. yeah. obviously uh, protecting all across, even with the scene. Big week for Luca. By the way, guys, last week, Luca yeah. of all kinds. You yep. Know, just <laughs> I heard this. Can't go on Twitter uh, without someone talking I was to confused. I've kind of been in and out of it on the news cycle. And I thought this animated sea monster uh, was asking Rick Carlisle who the F was in charge. But I was, <laughs> yeah. I'm it all up. It's a good thing you cleared that up because you were. Yeah. It's a very right. confusing five minutes for you. For sure. <laughs> well, shout out to The Athletic for breaking that story last week on the maps front and uh, listen Mm to uh, Brian's basketball pod spread the floor and uh, the maps pod. I do 77 minutes. If you guys want some Mavs talk and Luca, real Luca talk. Basketball love. Yeah. Good Luca. All right. Lots of Luca talk this week. I'm sure. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm going to grade this one out. And when I'm thinking of, of Pixar, and you know, I like to try to rank these after everyone. I'm like, okay, where would I put this one in the zeitgeist, uh, the filmography of, of Pixar? I'd put it probably right around uh, Coco, you know, um, 
Ratatouille around there. Mm. Uh, but it's not, it's not um, Toy Story for me. It's not Soul. It's not Inside Out. Um, it's not yeah. Wally. You know, man. It's it's right in the middle, if not towards the bottom. But it's not definitely not the worst worst Pixar movie. I'll watch this one again. But I think mm-hmm. the kiddiness of it might uh, knock it down a little bit more. Might might hurt the rewatchability until I have children. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I it's like Mitchell's versus the machines movies, better than this this year, and that's I did I too. Know. I did too. Yeah, I think I liked Raya better than this as well. So, um, was, if just from the kids' movies perspective, uh, it's hard with Pixar. It's hard to compare them to each other because I, I mean, these are some of my favorite movies ever. Some of the best movies that we've gotten over the last twenty five years. So, when you say like for me, this is probably somewhere in like the. 12 to 15 range on the Pixar movies. That's, I don't know. Somebody out there is like insulted by that. I'm sure. But it's like, well, I mean, there's a lot of daggum a plus movies. Yeah. On they, this list, so they, they do like tough. an all timer every, like, I don't know. Yeah. Six movies. They do like a, <laughs> yeah. Should be best picture quality movie. And right, the rest right. are like, you know, finding Dory cars three. And then you've got Coco and Incredibles in there. And then, and then they drop. So yeah, I mean, you know? like, me just looking at my list on Letterboxd, which you can find, you can follow me at Brian Gill if you want to. Um, like the top eight for me are all, are all movies that I definitely gave an A plus and were in my probably top three of the year. You know, so it's it's really hard to to be like man to get up in arms about a, a movie coming out and being good but not cracking that. You know, so, yeah. Anyway, I I think the animation was was great for uh, for the circumstances. And I also love the pastel colors of all the buildings too. I didn't point that out earlier, but that added to to the ambiance and and made it pop. So I will give Luca an A minus. Still an A, but not uh, mm. not top notch Pixar. What about you, Brian? Yeah, that's right. We're right where I'm at. I'm giving it an A minus. I doubt that will make my top ten of the year, but it's it's still. Uh, it's a quality movie. I'm sure I will see it multiple times because Coop's pretty into it right now. Smart to have uh, McDonald's toys for it too. That always yeah. helps. Um, Disney's good at their job, but uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a very solid movie that I did not love, but really really enjoyed and and I, I found quite interesting. So A minus for me, Richard. What about you? A minus for me as well, all the way around it. Coming up for Pixar, they've got Turning Red in fall of 2022, and then they've got Lightyear. The next year, and then I've got an untitled movie slated as well. We oh, that's about us. I forgot to tell you guys. Sold our rights, Pixar. Man, please do. Please <laughs> Mad do. Mad about movies, a Pixar joint. Finally. Yeah. Finally. Something I've heard at, that's awesome at, at that they do at Pixar is they have like a, a day where anyone in the company can come pitch a movie. <laughs> Which that would be really fun to see Smart. some of those pitches. Smart. Yeah, for sure. And some of them end up being that. movies, you know, end up. <laughs> yeah. I think they they said they have something like I don't know six movies in development, but they only ever like pick two of those to go, like, go forward with, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so imagine the amount of stories and storyboards that they have that just n- will never get used. That's pretty. It's pretty amazing that they are able to do, keep this up. All right, there you go. There's Luca Pixar talk. Enjoy it, and um, we'll hit a weekly recommend here, guys. Weekly recommends. I'm going to kick it off with a documentary series that I recently binged and is available on Apple TV Plus. 
uh, right now. It's called 1971, the year that changed that the year that music changed everything. And mm. it's uh, about a lot of the musical artists that uh, kind of got their start around this time. The Rolling Stones, Aretha Franklin, uh, Joni Mitchell, David Bowie, uh, you know, bands like that artists like that. And, um, you know, it goes through a lot of the politics at the time, what was going on in the world and how the music changed the culture, essentially. Uh, it's a great series. Nice. Um, eight episodes, um, Apple TV Plus, 1971, the year that music changed everything. It's not only the music of 71, but it focuses on that year. Like, they have a whole kind of episode on the Exile Main Street record that came out, I think, 73. Uh, so, you know, they they don't strictly uh, focus on 71, but that's kind of the, the main main topic of it. But any big music fan, documentary fan, history documentaries, um, stuff like that, will really enjoy this. Uh, 1971, the year that music changed everything. And a great great soundtrack, too. Great Spotify playlist, uh, if you want to check that out as well. That's my recommend. Very nice. Very nice. What do you got, Brian? I'm definitely going to check that one out. Yeah, you'll... you'll um, I was... Yeah, for sure. I was going to recommend something that is actually going to need to be next week's recommend. So uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to recommend and, and also tease what we have coming. Uh, You should watch Fast Five because it's awesome. And I know we've talked about it a billion times on this, on this podcast, but uh, I've been all in on, on the fast movies, obviously this, this last week or so getting ready for not only our episode, but the, the spiritual experience that will be. Fast Nine, uh, this coming weekend. So, uh, look, man, all those movies are great. They're stupid and fun and ridiculous and over the top. And uh, but Fast Fast Five is is the best of the bunch, and and it it remains the one that I I uh, I enjoy the most. So Fast Five is my recommend for this week. All right, Richard, what you got? Yeah, I've got a show on uh, HBO Max that just wrapped up. You, are you guys watching Hacks at all? No, I think I'm not you, yet. Yeah, no. I think you'll both really like it. It's Gene Smart. is It's a new Mike, Michael Schur produced show, um, but I've really enjoyed it, and it it pulled me out of TV retirement, so it could go. But Gene Smart's such a great, great kind of underrated actress, and is in this kind of late career renaissance, and uh, she plays like a Vegas comedian who's sort of brought out of that world um, by a young comedian from there. So. Normally, things about comedy are pretty bad, you know, uh, shows about mm-hmm. what it's like to be a comedian that never really works out well. And this one really executes it really well and uh, has some cool twists and turns along the way. I think it's one of the better kind of uh, dramedy shows of the last couple of years. So Hacks on HBO Max. Check it out. There you go. There's the weekly recommends. There's the Luca review. We hope you're enjoying your summer. We'll be back next week with Fast 9 Talk as we see that this weekend. We resume our Corona sipping and our barbecuing and, uh, you know, living our lives quarter mile at a time. That's what it's all about. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, make sure you're subscribed because we've got a lot of stuff coming this summer. And tell a friend. Stay uh, up to date on the Discord if you're a VIP. And we'll talk to you there. We'll see you soon at the summer. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs
scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya, your salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. 